Hey guys, what's up? My name's Ines. I write kissing books, and today I'm having a bit of a breakdown about stories being two-faced. They act one way when they're in a book, then they act another way when they're on the screen. Do you know the rules of adaptation? Let's break it down. As you know, I was trained as a screenwriter, and one of my favorite screenwriting tactics is adaptations. And my favorite rule about adaptations is that you owe nothing to the original work. This is the first rule of adaptation as told by Richard Crevelin, author of How to Adapt Anything into a Screenplay. In his book, Crevelin presents a case study of the film Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's a great case study. Some fans have argued that the movie was too faithful to the book, while others said that it left too much of the original work out. Crevelin does a brilliant job of breaking the book and the film down, and I don't see why we need to repeat those arguments here. Instead, I want to focus on one of my favorite adaptations, Clueless, based on the book Emma by Jane Austen. The story of Emma is virtually unrecognizable in this retelling. Screenwriter Amy Heckerling was nearly faithless in her rendition of this classic, often told tale. Jane Austen's story of a privileged 20-year-old in Regency England is transplanted into the persona of a 16-year-old teenage girl living in modern-day California, circa 1990. <laughs> Along with the setting and the time period, the title character's name is also updated. Cher is naive and caught up in a superficial lifestyle revolving around expensive clothes and the social hierarchy of her high school. Her father is no longer an aging hypochondriac, but he's a high-powered, ruthless lawyer. There's also no nightly next-door neighbor with an eye on her heroine. Instead, it's her ex-brother-in-law who's a liberal college freshman with dreams of saving the world, and his name's Josh. Kravlin's next guide is to seek out the scenes that can be removed without having a domino effect on the rest of the story. If you've read the book Emma, or you've seen the Gwyneth Paltrow version, or the brand new quirky version starring Anya Taylor-Joy, you might remember the whole subplot of Jane Fairfax and Frank Churchill. In those versions, while taking a break from setting everybody else up, Emma flirts with Frank, who leads her on, but Frank is actually madly in love with Jane. Remember that? Was it 20th century brilliance or what that Amy Heckerling made Frank Churchill's character into a gay rendition of James Dean who just wanted to be BFS with Cher? Gone was the Jane Fairfax character and the love triangle with Mr. Churchill. Cher's attempts at seduction while the meatloaf burns in the oven during the film Spartacus certainly has the opposite of a domino effect on the rest of the story. It ratcheted up the unpredictability of this updated tale of unrequited love. Krevlin's next rule is that you don't remove the key thing that made the book amazing. In my opinion, it's the love mishaps and the love connections that happen because Emma slash Cher, because of her busybodiness, that's what makes the book and all the network and theatrical releases a winner. In Austin's book, it begins with the wedding of Emma's governess with a gentleman Emma matched her with. With this one success under Emma's belt, she begins an assault on the poor hearts of her village to disastrous and hilarious effect. 
In California, Cher starts her matchmaking in response to a bad grade that she received. Although her heart wasn't in the right place at the time, the match works out for everyone involved in that match. And with this one success under her belt, Cher turns her attention to the new girl Ty, to disastrous and hilarious effect. Krevlin's last edict is that no matter how a story is changed, during the course of an adaptation, the arc of the characters almost always remains the same. Both Emma and Cher are know-it-alls at the beginning of their stories. Cher thinks that she can talk her way out of anything and get out of any jam without trying really hard. Cher's proud of her machinations in the love lives of others, and she's irked when her stepbrother, Josh, thinks that all of her work is for selfish ends. In truth, they are. It takes everything blowing up in her face for Cher to realize that Josh is right. It all goes wrong because it's what she wanted and not what everyone else wanted for themselves. Christian, the Frank Churchill character, doesn't want to be her boyfriend. Hi, the Harriet Smith character, doesn't want to date anyone that Cher sets her up with. Even Josh, the Mr. Knightley character, who Cher continuously pushes away, only wants to be close to her. Once Cher is stripped bare of everything is when she realizes that she's behaved badly and more importantly, that she's in love with Josh. Once Cher starts to work selflessly towards everyone else's wants, including her own heart's desire, that's when things turn out as they should. Faith is a tricky subject when it comes to taking someone else's work and making it your own. But if you follow Krevlin's rules of originality, of seeking without destroying, of keeping the key things while maintaining the character arc, you can get through adapting a work of someone else's and make it your own. Want a more in-depth exploration of pacing? Try out my course, Page Turner Pacing, How to Write a Binge-Worthy Novel in 21 Days at AnnesseWrites.com forward slash PTP for Page Turner Pacing. You can also read more breakdowns and chat with others on my free Substack, AnnesseWrites.Substack.com. In the meantime, you guys, you go and you get them words and me. I'll try to keep it together until the next time that we break it down. I'll see you then. Bye.